Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. People in establishment, people you know I know, made a Faustian bargain with an authoritarian figure. Nothing he is doing today he didn't tell you about four and a half years ago. Nothing. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. Happy New Year to all, and Happy New Year to our guest, former Mayor Rahm Emanuel. Hey, Fran. Happy New Year to you and to all your listeners and to everybody's uh, respective families. You're a former congressman, White House chief of staff. You're also a student of history. Did you ever think you would see a day like Wednesday when demonstrators invited and no. egged on by the president of the United have to States the stormed the Capitol? <laughs> you don't have to finish the question. No, nobody. No, it just it defies um, your everyday expectation. And it also defies even your imagination. Uh, so I would say no. And uh and more importantly than not seeing that, I would let me return the question. I don't believe I ever imagined a president um, that would ever instigate this either. So one, you can put it on the protesters, uh, not protesters, on the rioters themselves. Or two, that a president of the United States of America would be the, you know, the person that lit the match. And then the only person I can think of that actually imagined this was Philip Roth, who wrote The Plot Against America. Uh, and I just about three years ago, two years ago, read it. Uh, Leia, my daughter, was reading it in class, so I reread it with her. And the only person that um, saw around the corner that I know of, and I'm not saying that there isn't somebody studying something at the University of Northwestern or University of Chicago or U of I or Loyola, I'm not saying that there isn't was Philip Roth when he came out with the plot against America. He saw this, but I never, not a chance. But not I the, remember the, the when Charlottesville happened and you said that the president was inciting and fomenting and you mm -hmm. warned then of the dangers mm -hmm. that were happening. Mm -hmm. But did you ever think it would come to this? You know, this is, well, this gets to a larger subjected uh, look. There is a direct line, not only from Charlottesville to this, with many stops along the way. But, Fran, look, in the transition period, which is what President-elect Joe Biden's going through, we had a president that said, my generals. Not I'm appointing X or Y generals, but he was already militarizing civilian life and society. He goes to France early in his tenure, doesn't walk away saying something about the Paris Opera Ballet, 
Degas, Flaubert, his takeaway, they have tanks on a parade. I want to replicate it. He told everything he's done, he's told us. There are people in the in what I would call mainstream politics who made a Faustian bargain with him. That drag that they looked the other way when you had all the signs like Charlottesville, where he said there was a moral equivalency on both sides when there wasn't. But people in establishment, people you know, I know, made a Faustian bargain with an authoritarian figure. Nothing he is doing today, he didn't tell you about four and a half years ago. Nothing. And we just missed it, or how did it happen? Listen, well, let me say this. This gets to a separate thing. You know, a lot of, look, the Capitol Police and the leadership will need to uh, have a lot of responsibility. But look at all the media. Everything out there has been out there. Everybody had to do specials yesterday because nobody could imagine. Everything has been on the Internet. They told you they were going to have a big, riotous day. Everybody had to break into normal programming in the media. My network, the network I work at, too. Everybody. Even though you were told, I'm going to have a riot. It will be wild. He said it. He told you just can't imagine within the norms of of your of not only your main vision, but your periphery vision that a president of the United States would call for an insurrection. But do you think it got out of hand even for him? Did he want no. this? No, he to wants this. He, yes, do you he think wants he wanted this. them to barge into the Capitol? Yes, he wanted to stop. He wanted to stop. The Electoral College. Yes. Now, see, here's one of the things. A lot of people sit and take over Nancy Pelosi's office and damage our capital. I don't know about the. He wanted the. He wanted the institution of the Congress and the activity of the Electoral College vote that would certify his loss to be stopped at any cost. At any cost. He listen. You think this guy cares about America? You think that you think what what, I'll get ready. I'm going to be quiet. Name me in the four years. One thing he's done that has been about America, not Donald Trump. That about this is for America's good, not for me. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with America. Was it the vaccine rollout? Was it any of the people that he uh, that he appointed? Was it the executive order on refugees and asylum seekers? What was it that he did in the last four years that he put America in front of Donald Trump rather than Donald Trump in front of America? So who was asleep at the switch? All of here? us. This is what I'm trying to uh, look. I think the police have a lot of work. I mean, as somebody who organized this city and you covered it for a big, the largest NATO gathering in the history of NATO. We did a lot of planning. Steve George's did a, we did a lot of planning on this. And you know that. And it took a lot of, I think, leadership at all levels to put plan and prepare. And we pulled it off. But in this case, do the police have a responsibility in the, in the nation's capital to evaluate what they did? Yes. It's pretty clear they overcorrected from the summer, plus some other problems that they're going to have to address. But did you ever think a president of the United States would sit on no there can be no National Guard for three hours so it could get really out of hand? Did you prepare for that? 
we all have a responsibility not to just cast blame at the police, although they have a lot of soul searching to do and evaluation. We have to evaluate ourselves. How could we permit a person who clearly has embraced the rhetoric of an authoritarian leader with no respect for the democratic norms? How did we permit not just, and I, I put more onus on Republicans because they made a Faustian bargain with him. Wasn't to some people say, Oh, his, I, his, his, his style was wrong, but the substance of his tax cuts, you thought a, the tax cuts were worth turning a blind eye to his authoritarian language and impulses, which he told you about. He told you about when the summer happened, call the national guard, break, you know, slam their heads into the hood. He, everything he has done in multiple different times, he has told you, this is who he is. But we have a responsibility not just to castigate and blame the police. They have a lot of work to do. They screwed up. We, all of us as citizens, have a responsibility, some more than others. I don't, you know, there's Senator Cruz and Senator Hawley that were clearly handmaidens in this effort, both politically, culturally, that has ramifications that will be passed on. And I just said, oh, we also have a response. I mean, he told you, this is one of the things you got to remember about Donald Trump, like saying we're going to have a wild time on January 6th. We're going to show, show them. He did not hide anything. It is our expectation that a president would do that, which is what shocked us. We never thought it was, we just didn't put that in the realm of possibility. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer is calling for Trump to be impeached. If you're impeached twice, you can't run again, I believe. Discussions mm -hmm. among some cabinet members and some Republicans, including Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, about invoking the 25th Amendment and removing him from office. Should that happen? Well, I, I am a, I'm a believe. Yes. I just uh, as maybe this is my realist gene kicking in. I don't see the impeachment in 13 days to go happening. I don't see the 25th Amendment. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I would immediately, but I do believe you could go real quickly to a censure. That, that, the, an articles of impeachment, the trial, et cetera, what would happen in the Senate in 13 days. And that may be me just being a, uh, too much of a realist and not a much, but there is, but I do believe this, Fran, and I do believe you can censure him because that's quick, it's clear, and it has a moral judgment to it. There is, and I said this last night, and I'm going to repeat it. And I don't often give advice to Republicans. If you do not find a way to morally hold him accountable for what he has done, not only legally and ethically, but morally, you own him. And this is, to me, and I'll, if there's a thread of optimism or not affirmation on my side. I actually believe this is a moment, if you go through history like the civil rights, if you go back, there's obviously Brown versus the Board of Ed in the 50s. There's obviously Rosa Parks not willing to give up her seat. But when Bull Connor sets the dogs in Alabama on the uh, protesters, America recoiled and said, that's not us. I believe America's recoiling and saying that's not us. 
And I think that's why this moment is a turning moment. And I think the president with his the president elect Biden with his leadership, but also all of us. We have a role to play as citizens will also realize this is a turning point. And I think it's one of those things that you're not going to be able to airbrush in history. You're not going to be able to walk away and kind of kind of blow away, you know, blow away the the footprints left in the sand. This moment has now been etched, etched into our collective conscience. And it's a springboard that I think will have turned people uh, into realizing the work we have ahead of us. And when we say rebuild America, it means our streets, it means our skills, and it means our civil society as well. The future of the Republican Party. Is this a permanent break with Donald Trump? You had Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell and Mike Pence all taking stands against the president, but he's still got 74 million votes. And a lot of those people believe this election was stolen and, and that yeah. the media is biased. Well, look, I mean, look, I mean, I, I, let me say it this way. I appreciate the taking center. I think Senator McConnell was quite eloquent and forceful yesterday, but when it comes to norm breakings, you know, it's ironic because he's also saying those on the very day that also president elects Biden's clear. He's going to do and nominate Merrick Garland for the justice department as attorney general. Five years ago, he broke a norm that shattered people's trust when he denied President Obama the right to have a vote on a Supreme Court nominee. Does it equal? I'm not, and I don't want to, I'm not drawing moral equivalence with what Donald Trump did, et cetera. But each time you break a line, either a legal or a, no, a line that's in the norm, you are participating, in my view, in taking a permitting unacceptable behavior to become normalized. So you ask me, if my, do, does Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, et cetera? Look, I'm sorry. They made a Faustian bargain with Donald Trump over the last four years. For our tax cuts, cuts in regulations, and judges will look the other way when you show auto, authoritarian uh, impulses and, and say things that are uh, that are clearly racist, anti-Semitic, and ugly. And they made a Faustian bargain. And now they're re not just Cruz and Hawley, the senators, all of them. And I appreciate what Senator Graham said yesterday. I appreciate what Senator McConnell said. But I'm sorry, you're four and a half years late. You made so a Faustian bargain with this man. So what is there? Every future? one of us who said this is this guy is authoritarian when he said these are my generals. What did not rattle your moral, ethical, and legal cage? And, and Lindsey Graham and Mitch, Lisa Graham is a lawyer. I'm not. When he said in Charlottesville, there are good people on both sides, and one was making clearly fascist, anti-Semitic. Racist comments. There's no moral equivalency and relevancy. What made you look the other way? I'm I'm sorry. I gotta say to the Republican leadership that I 
that I, you know, and I've worked with opposite Lindsey Graham, et cetera, when he was working with John McCain. You made a Faustian bargain with this guy. I did not. I opposed him. <laughs> you made a Faustian bargain. Democrat. What made you look the other way? Because everything he did from my generals to trying to replicate tanks and missiles in the middle of the Champs-Élysées and bring it to the United States, that kind of military parade to normalize it. When in Charlottesville, he saw fascist rioters who were using anti-Semitic language and racist language and thought that they were, they were trying to, he's trying to draw a moral equivalency with the counter as somebody who countered the KKK and the neo-Nazis here in Chicago, which is my first political education. What made you look the other way? What made you re- not realize that permitting this, normalizing this would lead to this? This did not, yesterday did not happen in isolation to a long lineage of events and statements and permission slips. Silence is a permission slip. Acquiescing to something that, you, it was, as I said the other day, and I want to repeat, it wasn't the quantity of tweets. It was the content of the tweets that were disturbing. A lot of people said, oh, you know, he is, you know, go back to what Mike Pence said at the uh, Republican nominating convention. Yeah, he does things stylistically. I don't like it wasn't the style. It was the substance. But it wasn't the quantity still, of tweets. It was the content yeah. of them. But we are a divided country now politically. We are a divided country racially. What does Joe Biden have to do to bring this country together and well, no, to convince see, but Fran, but Fran, the Donald this, Trump voters that this I don't agree with the question. was I don't agree on, with the question. I don't agree with the question. And I wrote about this in the Wall Street Journal. I don't agree with the question. Joe Biden is our president, and therefore he must seize opportunities to lead and help us cre- recreate the threads of the, that tie us together. But as a citizen, you have a responsibility. We too have something. We too have a role to play. Now, I've advocated going back to 2005 when I wrote in my book about national service because I actually thought as the country was pulling apart, you needed a singular activity that actually reminded my kids and other kids from different parts of the country of different backgrounds and different working together on a single mission. I, I have worked, helped President Clinton create uh, AmeriCorps. I helped President Obama double the size of our national service. And I then I've advocated not only in writings, but in personal conversations with President elect. I would start another generation in reminding them of their citizenship through national service and make it universal. Mandatory. Everybody has to. I said, univer- yes. I mean, if you graduate as part of graduating high school, everybody would do something and you design it as a, as a, whether it's, you know, the armed services are not the only branch. I mean, you could do a lot of stuff on literacy. You could do a lot of stuff like, you know, our, uh, through AmeriCorps, through Peace Corps here at home, where you not only do an X activity, but it sparks a lifelong uh, role of citizenship. Uh, and that's what I, that's a piece of it. There's also a civil discourse in which I, which is why I was always supportive of uh, President-elect Biden, because I thought in his DNA, there was a decency uh, 
that would be ex- as a president, as a leader, would be something that people could emulate and respect. And I thought at this particular time, in a not only to beat Donald Trump, but in a post, and then to rebuild America in a post-Trump, Joe, the president-elect's um, character of just decency would be the antidote the country needed, not only as kind of repairing our soul post um, Donald Trump, but also something to be emulated. And I thought he would be a calming uh, force because of it, the character of his personality. And I still believe that. And I think it. I think it's going to. I think yesterday proves it's even more valuable than ever before. How long would this public service be? Six months? Oh, I mean, year? Grant, How- I, I appreciate. You know, I, you, that's all for people to design. I think there's a. I think you know. Here's what I would uh, off the top of my head, not top of it because I've thought about it. You could do kind of four months as everybody has to do X. And the longer you go, the more of your higher education got reduced. I mean, cost of higher education, meaning, uh, again, it's all and in design. If you, school, did, if, you you did, if you did, well, yeah, if you did six months, not for, let's say four, let's just argue four months or three months was the minimum. Everybody had to do X. Anything past that six months or a year or X, you got um, a, uh, a reduction in your cost of education. You know, we make it, here's an example. We pay people medical education if they agree, uh, or portions of it, if they agree post their uh, residency, they will dedicate X amount of years to uh, helping in impoverished communities. So there's a lot of different ways you could, through AmeriCorps, uh, through um, other parts of your education, where if you go past the minimum, we'll just reduce the cost of your education. So today, a lot of people get free medical education and training because they dedicate their post year, post four years or five years if they serve in underserved communities. You could design this, I mean, a lot of different ways in that, but I, my bigger point isn't that. And I appreciate the question. My bigger point is, and you know this from you and I've talked about this individually. I've said, I've talked about it publicly as mayor. I've talked and I've done it in writings when I was a congressman in my book about the plan. And otherwise, there's nothing more rewarding personally than in service to others. And one of the things that we there's a lifetime of good that comes from rekindling your citizenship. And I uh, serve and starting a generation in their post high school years, pre college days, in service to the country, will serve us as a country, will get a lifetime of benefit from that identity as an American. And you can't really have. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask you, what do you think the impact on foreign policy will be? America's image around the world. These kinds of things happen in banana republics. They do not happen in America. They're well, not supposed I, to. I think this. There's no. I mean, you don't. Yeah, you didn't ask me on this show to. It's obviously damaging, but it depends on what we do with it. What should Does, we do? What, well, I mean, I just laid out certain things that the vice president, the president-elect, can do, and that will 
I mean, if we all of a sudden show that we this less that we learned from this, and here's what we're going to do to rebuild our country, and here's what we're going to do to entrench our democratic norms and our citizenship, that Donald Trump was is both a man a manifestation of a problem, but we're going to address that problem and fix it. Then uh, it, it will be this will will limit the damage. It's damaging and big. Now the question is, can we limit it? And that's all about what we do next, all of us. But I'm I'm constantly. I want to bring one thing up. Everybody wants to say, okay, the police were unprepared. They failed, and there's no doubt they did. We failed. We allowed, uh, and all of us have different degrees of responsibility. We have to look at ourselves. We have to look in the mirror and said. How did he come about? How did a guy that told you he wanted to replicate parades with with, uh, tanks and missiles and soldiers, that was going to be normalized? And And we dismissed it as Trump's fantasies. He was telling you something. Just like he said, sometimes it was outrageous enough that other people said, oh, it's horrible, like when he said what he said after Charlottesville. Sometimes it was little things, like I want a military parade and I'm willing to hold up the government to get what I want. And each time it hit at the foundation of the values, ideals that we hold up to be truths about ourselves, Donald Trump will not only go down in history as the worst president of the United States, The only good that will come from him is a renewed sense of citizenship and commitment to the ideals of America. That's the only good that can come from it, which is what we do to rebuild afterwards. Twitter and Facebook have suspended Donald Trump. Were they right to do that? Twitter and Facebook suspending Trump. Were they right (laughs) to do that? And what microphone will he use now? Or has he... You know, here's here's the thing. Like, you know... Yes, they were right to do it, and there were things that he was doing a long time ago they should have. A lot. Look, I mean, a lot of us, and again, I say, all of us have a responsibility to say, what are we going to do? You know, can, we can look back and, and say what we should have done different, and we can look forward and say what we have to do now. Um, look, I mean, I, I was opposed to the tax plan, but look, a lot of corporate leaders got their 21% corporate rate versus 35 and look the other way when he's, when he was homophobic, when he was racist, when he made anti-Semitic, undemocratic comments, but they got their tax rate. Great. How's that working for you? Now that you're an international company and America's brand is destroyed around the world. So everybody has a role to play in not only building, but they also had a role to play in being complicit, some more than others. And I'm just going to say this. I think Senator McConnell's comments were really good yesterday. I'm sorry. You made a Faustian bargain four years ago for a tax bill, for judges, and for regulations cuts. That was the price you were willing to pay for those things. You didn't stand. Nothing Donald Trump did and the crowd yesterday did that he didn't tell you four and a half years ago. You just didn't want to believe it. The Georgia Senate races that gave control of the Senate to Joe Biden. Are we likely to see 
a more expansive stimulus bill? Are we going to see replacement yeah. revenue for and states? Are we going to see no, an I mean, infrastructure? I think, I think you're going to see, see expand the I think you're going to. I think you're going to see. Um, you know, he's going to everything that he laid out in Build Back Better. You know, I don't want to go through civics here, but you know, there's a thing in the budget process called reconciliation, where you only need fifty plus one. The parliamentarian has to rule that what you want to do is relevant to either re- raising revenue or spending. Okay, that's and it's you don't have to hit the normal quote unquote sixty. It's it's fifty plus one. That said. In the kind of build back better, whether it's in infrastructure, research and development, climate change investments, investments in the National Institute of Health, NIH, job training, all that will go into what I think will be a big year one, what I've talked about as rebuilding, the president-elect has phrased as build back better. My guess is there will be a short-term relief bill because the last one will get you through till March and you're going to still need more until the vaccine takes hold to help people get through this COVID um, economic hardship and public health hardship. And, you know, when I say economic, I'm including rent and I'm including the ability to buy food and support, you know, basically support your family. But then there will be this part of a robust uh, that he laid out in the campaign, Build Back Better. And it can't be kind of an appropriations plus. It's got to be something more fundamental. So anyway, that's what will happen. Will cities will cities and states get replacement revenue? I, I don't. Do I don't. Um, I think there's a lot of ways to cut it. You know what I mean? Which is, you you know, the government, the in the last go around, there was an attempt at direct aid. You know, you could basically say, the federal government will pay for all the vaccines for all teachers, all uh, first responders, police and fire, et cetera. And that will relieve a lot of pressure on the state and local governments, but it's not called state and local government aid. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, what about I, I replacing think- lost revenue to the coronavirus? The economy is tanked in all cities and states. Revenue is plunged. Will they get that money? Or not. I have no idea at this point. I think my guess is, given Georgia, more likely yes than no. Whether they replace all of it, I don't know. Expand the Supreme Court? No, I, I, I'm I, I'm guessing at that. I would be surprised, given that the president-elect has already, when it was first raised before, had a skeptical eye to it. Uh, that he would go to. I think he's going to be totally about getting the vaccine appropriately rolled out and making the appropriate investments of the economy so people can get back to work and they can support their families. That's where he's going to be focused like a laser. A hundred million people vaccinated in a hundred days. Can that happen? What will it take to get it to happen? (laughs) Well, that's for, I mean, Jeff Seinz, who I know well has a big job ahead of him uh, to do, and that is uh, no. The good news is the Trump people have set the bar so low that uh, by comparison it's going to look great. Um, 
it's doable, but it's going to take a massive, uh, which science is capable of, I will say, massive reorganization and capacity of execution, which is what we've been missing, which is leadership at the federal level. Here in Illinois, House Speaker Madigan is six votes short of the 60 he needs to win re-election as speaker. What do you think happens there? I, mean, I would be guessing at what I think happens. I think there's going to be, as far as I can tell, there's a lot of people running for it. And um, you don't have, as somebody who studies politics, I'd be guessing at it, Fran, at this point. So uh, right now, I think they're going to be in a standstill. Uh, he may be six point votes short, but everybody else is, from what I can tell, and this is just reading through the papers, doesn't mean it, I know what I'm talking about, which is other people are 30, 40 votes short. So what happens? My guess is, you you know, I, I, it'd be a guess. So that's all it would. Uh, Go I'm ahead and sure. guess. Your guess no, is better no, than no. most. No, it would be, it would be, I'm not, what I was going to say is I'm not sure it's even an educated guess. Uh, so I don't know what would happen. Uh, but, you know, I just finished this book about uh, John Kennedy and uh, it talks about what happened when he was running for vice president and things shift around. And so when you look at how Kennedy start where he started on the first take and then where he finished, et cetera. So I don't, you know, look, one of the things I know is that when you get in a caucus, a lot of, you can't predict that moment. Things happen that you can't foresee even with the best of plans. Uh, and so I don't know, you're asking me to predict something that I don't understand the dynamics. You're going to be, you know, especially because of the COVID, I don't know how people get, you know, where they are, what room they're in, can people all gather together? Who's the front runner? If it becomes Mike Madigan and then who becomes kind of number two and how far are they? Are they 60 votes, 50 votes behind him, 40 votes behind him or 10 votes? I don't know. There's so many unknowns to the psychology that takes place when you have a competitive vote. I don't know. And will it be even Knowing be competitive? When to, you knew when to leave. Are you surprised Mike Madigan did not know? when to leave? Uh, look, everybody's a different, you know, I'm happy with, I was, I came to do certain things and you know this from my life on education, on the fiscal well-being of the city, the economic well-being, and also making sure our neighborhoods had investments that they hadn't had on, from libraries to schools, to park district, park facilities, et cetera. It was, to me, it was never about how long you serve. It was what you did when you served. But are you surprised that Mike you, Madigan, you had a relationship with, didn't know I want to be clear about something. It was also, here's my basic rule in life. It was true about mayorship. It was true about chief of staff. It was true about Congress. It was also true about being President Clinton, senior advisor. I always said this to every staff I had. I said it when I got a, became a congressman. I said it to, made it when I was chief of staff. And I said it to myself and to my staff when I was mayor. The day you come, and I used to say to the White House, when you drive through the gates, if you still don't have a tingle in your spine, you're done. Put the badge in. You're over. I knew, and fortunately, in each point, milestones in my life, not only when I've achieved what I achieved, 
that I was done. I didn't want to be chief of staff any longer than I was. I was honored to do it. And I moved on to uh, running for mayor. I I set out to do certain things on this city and I had run my marathon and handed the baton off. And you got to know in public life, personally, this is an individual thing. And again, it's not about the longevity of your tenure. It's what you do during your tenure. That one, we all, because of our history in the city, show, it's how long you serve. It's how long you serve. That's just one measure. It's a measure. But it's not the measure. It's a measure. It's a significant measure. It's not the measure. I think Mike Madigan is a misunderstood person. That's a longer conversation. Uh, uh, much longer conversation. I think he's a misunderstood. misunderstood. How quickly? How 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 quickly is he misunderstood? I, I think there's. I think you guys, under you guys, the media and the only about power. I think there's a lot more behind. Now he nurtures that image, but there's a lot more behind him, uh, and a deeper understanding of policy than he lets on. And for somebody that's been around this long, I think he's. I think there's more to him than the media or portrays about him. Now he also nurtures that. So he bears responsibility to that. That said, that said, uh, he has to, only one person can make a decision about, and remember there's two offices. There's chairman of the democratic party and there is speakership. And I just think that, uh, you know, uh, uh, he has to make a decision when on either one of them or both it's a personal decision of whether um, the time he has spent, uh, he has set out to do what he needed to do from a policy, from a policy standpoint. Mayor Pete is a transportation secretary. Are we likely to see you in any other role in the Biden cabinet <laughs> in the Biden government? Any time, I, I think you know. I think you. Be, when the time comes, you'll well, you'll no. see if I can. Uh, yes, exactly. Okay, Mayor Rahm Emanuel. Thank you so much for joining us. You are an expert in these topics, and we appreciate your guidance and your knowledge in sharing it with us. Happy New Year, and we'll see you all next week. Happy and a healthy one, though. Not just happy, healthy.